not sure what's going on with her, but she's just not 100%. <laughs> not 100% cool. Yeah, there's definitely that. Tyler. John. Uh, how are you today? I, I I don't want to be awake. I don't want to be awake. I enjoy doing this, but I don't want to be awake right now. My head hurts. I took ibuprofen and a glass of water, and now I'm having coffee. Not even doing whiskey this morning. I, I want to sleep. So, my, um, uh, my plan was to do water this morning. And, um, uh, that, uh, I forgot to get water, so I'm drinking nothing. I would, if I were you, I'd be getting water, just because I'm dehydrated. I have But would you be if you were me? That's stupid. (laughs) Hold on, I've got to, let's do, since I can't do any, I'm not doing whiskey, and I'm not doing any bottle cork ASMR, let's, let's try, let's try, let's try this one. Good soup. So that wasn't too bad, I suppose. Uh, here uh, would also might be a good one. Uh, <coughs> I'll just take a random cigar cutter near my microphone. Snip it. And right at the very end, I accidentally flicked the microphone. Dang. Not exactly ASMR, uh, but very aggressive. <laughs> like Sean's trying to cut off part of my anatomy. Just mm-hmm. like old times. Uh, it's a cigar cutter. Guess which part? <laughs> <laughs> Nose? It's your hair. I'm giving you a very slow haircut. Oh, that's a very cool... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an ingenious way of using a cigar cutter. What are we doing this morning? Uh, Barely eking by. Well, I mean, other than the obvious. Uh, uh, well, I figured what we would talk about. Uh, I'll go ahead and spring this on you right now. It's not like I told you about this a number of days ago. Um, no. uh, uh, we talk about part four of The Way of Kings. Crap, the, I'm unprepared. Oh, no. It's been sprung on me. The penultimate part of this book. And I said that only so I could use the word penultimate. It is fun to say penultimate. <laughs> <clears throat> It's also the longest part of this book. I, I, I've said that mm. once you are this morning. I actually haven't actually double-checked to see if it's the longest part of the book, but good lord, it has to be. There's so much information in this section. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, it's quite yes and no. It, so it's it, fine. You know, like, it, yes and no. Like, it has the, the most things happen, but it doesn't have any particular... It doesn't really have any information. You know, like, um, uh... uh we are kind of done with backstory and everything at that point, and that's mm-hmm. true. But at the same time, I, I, there's so much stuff happening. I mean, like, we do have a battle scene that is mm-hmm. very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff with Shalon and Yasna finally gets interesting because, my goodness, I hate that part of the story. For the, I, until part four and part five, I don't like their story Tyler. very much. It's kind of annoying. Tyler, Shalon and Yasna don't make an appearance in part four. <laughs> I said part four and part five. You don't get excited until part four and part five. Because um, there's just nothing. Yes, they do. Yasna is mentioned, but the, no, they don't have an actual appearance in part four. Unless I accidentally listened to part of five. Part five, well, I wasn't paying attention. It's possible. Um, wait, hold on. So is part three where all of the poisoning happens? Yes. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Part three is where like uh, Shalon gets poisoned, and then Yasna kicks her out, uh, and that's basically where their story has ended up to this point. Bail- see, I get part. It's been long enough since I've listened to these that the, the do bleed into each other just a touch. Yeah. Um, see, I have this opened yeah. up right here. Part four: Storm's Illusion. Dalinar, Kaladin, Adolin, Navani. And you believe that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Fool so, that I am. Fool that I am. <clears throat> Excuse me, so part four. Um, let's see. 
So we do get, and we're not doing any of the little weird things in between, right? Not any of the little stories that happen between part three and part two and part three and all that kind of stuff, like the little short ones about people that don't matter and I hate them. Well, those don't really make an appearance in part four either. Part four is just meat. Part four is as cool as me, but I'm saying, like, did we have we been talking about any of them at all? Because I don't believe they they, t- they tie in, but in a way that you don't need to hear them. We we kind of mentioned the the interludes a little bit uh, as we came across them. them. Yes, they're so annoying. <clears throat> the interludes that we kept foolishly calling flashbacks. Yeah, I mean, maybe some of them are. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. I feel like some of them must be flashbacks, and then some of them might be happening right now. And then I might want to be stabbing my eyes out when I read them. <laughs> some of them might be flash mobs. <laughs> they could be. Idiot. Um, excuse me. I keep burping. So. So. I believe... Now, if memory serves correctly, the beginning to part four... Uh, we don't. I believe we open with Dalinar and his sons talking about his potential for abdication. Yes. Okay. Now I don't think we need to hit everything in detail um, because obviously it's very long and and honestly to hit every single thing is kind of pointless. And I do think kind of the point of doing these book clubby type things for for the stories is not to tell the entire story, but maybe touch on the things that we find the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say in this first chapter, I do really like Dalinar's uh, vision that he has. It's mm-hmm. one of the very cool ones. Um, so we, we, we have the moment where he has a vision and he's seeing it from the place of a soldier mm-hmm. at, at a kind of raggedy outpost and he actually gets to witness the Radiance when they give up on their, their oath, when they leave all their um, mm-hmm. uh, shard plate and, and their weapons and everything. And then the men come and take them. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's a it's one of the more intense ones for me. Yeah, which so I had started on book two, uh, you know, about a year ago, before I realized that we should be um uh, doing the before we had the the idea, really before we had the idea to do the podcast, and then once I realized that we might be doing that, I stopped reading it, so I got a portion of the way through it, and I got a. So I didn't get nearly enough information from book two to confirm my to, like to, to to be told that this is what happened at that time, but there were a few other things I learned about uh, a few other things I learned about the the radiance and about how their particular uh, shard blades and shard plate worked versus other people's and where their powers come from which we learn about something about where their powers come from in this in this very portion of this book mm-hmm. oh Patrick what's wrong buddy mommy took away his lighter oh mama took away his lighter hmm. how could I you have a lighter why do you have his lighter let me rephrase that well, it, his lighter it was he my has his light. own lighter it was my lighter which some, somebody I couldn't tell you who but somebody left on a table in his reach yeah I don't know what that could have been it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me mm-hmm. yeah but anyways um, uh, and with those those things I think because that I know what happened on on the day that the the radiance left all that but because it requires information that I got from the future um, uh, mm-hmm. I, I I won't say my thoughts on that because okay. it's information well, that I shouldn't have. Let me give a give a thought on it because this is mm-hmm. one of the ones that made me really think back to the opening of the book. Um, mm-hmm. So the book actually opens with a small group of who I assumed after reading for a little bit were other radiants, uh-huh. um, and they they seem like they're describing their weapons as shard blades and all of that, mm-hmm. but. Is is I, I kind of think that maybe the guy the, the individuals in the opening of the book um, could they have been the one with the dawn shards? That's kind of what I was thinking after saying okay, all of them came and gave up the shard blades, but were those ones in the beginning the dawn shards? The it, so the 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 guys at the, be, the very very beginning of the book those were actually the heralds. Right, right. So are those not the yeah. dawn shards? The heralds have been probably. Um, uh, 
And then, okay, okay fine. I think uh, here's here's my theory on what happened. I think the reason why the um uh, uh the the reason why the radiance uh, gave up uh or, or gave up all their plate and did what everything is. I think when the heralds uh ended the cycle, uh, I think all the spren that were there giving the radiance their powers and the spren who were their shards they, they all died. And the knights didn't want that anymore, so they they dropped off their dead sprint in the form of armors and weapons, and they left. There. See, <laughs> now, the only reason why I'm not necessarily inclined to say that that's entire, that's exactly it, mm -hmm. is because specifically in this vision, Dalinar makes the note that the blades change as they're leaving all their stuff. Well, so, like, they're no longer doing all the glowing that you would have from mm -hmm. someone who is, um, you know, someone like. Um, Kaladin, who has the ability to you know use the stormlight and everything, mm -hmm. maybe he would be able because he has a sprint. Uh, maybe he would be able to make them glow like the radiance made it glow. So maybe it's not. Maybe it's <clears> that they knew something was going to happen to the sprint. Maybe the sprint were going to be changing something along those lines. I would get into and say, yeah, cool. But it, it doesn't seem like the sprint were dead as it was happening because they were still able to make their armor and, and uh, their plate and their um, blades glow. As they were dropping them off, that's oh. the only reason why I think that might not be it. Okay, fine. I'm I'm, I'm going to drop the the the. So I, I will drop this bit of knowledge because it's actually something that I had before I ever read the books. Because I guess it's not a spoiler because there was a guy who was talking about the books <laughs> and how the the shard blades are the coolest thing. And he said, "Now this is not a spoiler. Let me explain to you how shard blades work." And he said, "There are certain ones, and it's the ones that most people have. That uh, it takes ten heartbeats to summon this, and if you're linked up to it." And the ones that are not, I said that is a manifestation of a dead sprint. Uh, there are some that you can instantly summon uh, without having to wait the ten heartbeats, and that is when you are linked up uh, with it because it's the manifestation of a living sprint. So if the sprint were still alive when they dropped off their stuff, and the people were immediately able to get it and everything, that means that the knights killed their sprint by doing that. If that's what happened, if, if that is what, if the sprint were alive at the time. And then weren't that means the if if that were the case, and I don't know if it is or not because I I don't know, but that means that the knights doing that, the knights themselves killed their own sprint. <laughs> but if that's the case, then they would have had to have killed them in that moment of the mm -hmm. betrayal. Yes, when yeah. they walked away. Yes, mm. <laughs> that seems possible. And uh, and brutal, but possible. <laughs> Which which adds a, a whole new layer onto it. But since none of the knights seem to do anything at all, like, you know, knights radiant magic stuff, my assumption was just that the sprint were already dead. And that's why they did what they did. Okay. And it was I, the, it, think... I thought it was the betrayal of the heralds that killed the sprint, and because the sprint were dead, the knights disbanded. Okay. Mm. That seems... That seems plausible, except for that it does seem in the moment that they weren't dead. In the in the moment of the mm -hmm. betrayal, the spring don't seem dead just yet. In that mm -hmm. case, yeah. um, but I'm I think either one seems plausible. But also, mm -hmm. they do really make it feel like the betrayal of the heralds or the breaking of the oath pact, all that kind of stuff, and, and that we have in the opening of the book. Mm -hmm. It it they de man they really make it seem like that was a long time ago. Well, crap. I guess the I guess the I guess technically the. Um, the, the the betrayal of the Knights Radiant was actually a long time ago too, so maybe that was just the exact same course of events. Yeah, they all happened at once. That by the way, the opening is brutal. Talking about what the heralds have to go through in between their their victories and when they die and everything. That sounds like I'm I'm really curious to see what we're gonna take that because I'm assuming it's gonna have to pop up again. Something else is gonna have to happen with it, or we could just leave it. Well, we're going to leave it, but I mean, the book, pro I'm, I'm hoping <clears throat> that the book doesn't. No, 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 I, 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 I mean, like, like, we could just leave the story, like, you know, that, that's what I'm saying, like, or the, like, uh, and, and do we, like, let's learn more about that. Nah. Nah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> Alright, well, we've already harped on that for a long time, which is fine, because mm. um, that was a point that I really wanted to, to have a small discussion about, but, um, it, it makes me... Um, well, no, I'll bring this point up when we get to um, not too much longer. We have the appearance from who I can only assume is our collective favorite character ever. Mm -hmm. um, as a joke favorite character. 
um, mm-hmm. at uh, right before some other events happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, there's something I think I wanted to talk about the way Sanderson is writing this, and I'll wait until then because I think it ties into it. But keep going. Okay, so like the new thing. Okay, so you said, you said talk about the 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 favorite character ever. So obviously the best character ever written, if it's not Puddle Glum from Chronicles of Narnia, it's Dalinar Colin. However, this is true. However, my favorite character is Hoyd. Hoyd. Yes, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, his, mm-hmm. his appearance made me really think about his appearance, something about the vision, and then uh, the wrap-up in part five has made me really think about like what was um, Sanderson's reason for writing this book. But Lama, we, is there anything we need to talk about that's important in between um, Hoyd and what we just talked about? Uh, I, don't I mean, want to be anything special. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Uh, there was the argument about, um, uh, uh, you, you know, obviously, um, uh, uh, about Dalinar's yeah. abdication, which lasted a grand total of three chapters, <laughs> or yeah. however long. Um, uh, and then, uh, so, so yeah, there, there wasn't, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think <laughs> if... Well, you're, there's yeah, one small yeah, thing. Um, there, there so is Hoyt's a, conversation with Dalinar happened like just a few chapters in, so there couldn't have been much in between. I think right in between there, I might be wrong, but I think in between there is one particular um, small battle that we could see Kaladin in, and we kind of get a glimpse. The Sanderson <laughs> drops some heavier hints about something being special with Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Um, like some, some real, real layups as to something is weird. Like you obviously, if you read it for the first time, you don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. But like some points that when you go back, you're like, oh my goodness, it couldn't have been more obvious. And at least one person knew what what Kaladin was doing yeah. at that point. Yeah. Well, see, uh, apparently because you know Teft figured it out uh, during the yes. high storm. Yeah. Yeah. Teft figures out what's going on with him in the high storm, which is in part three. Mm-hmm. Um, and he figures it out, so he starts having Kaladin carry around all the stormlight infused currency um, and Kaladin being at the front of everything is effectively mm-hmm. reflecting all the arrows that are being shot at him because he's using his stormlight powers which he doesn't know about yet so we're not going to talk about it but essentially Sanderson gives some real layups into and insights into Kaladin um, and then it's during that particular battle that Kaladin starts taking all the wounded Bridgerin even the ones that aren't part of Bridge 4 mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a point of being like, Kaladin's a real hero, and you're like, is he really, or is he just trying to make up for the fact that he sucks? I mean, it's just one of those kind of things. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's, it's it, it does, like, you know, um, uh, uh, I, and I, I think that's the reason why, um, uh, uh, I, I think that's the reason why Sanderson made Kaladin and Shallan be the ones that were the, uh, the, were the one to, to take on the Night's Radiant stuff. Um, uh, they're both redemption stories. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's like, look, you can you you you, you can be an absolute sack of crap and still tur- <laughs> turn into this. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I don't want to get into this again, but I do think the more I read it, the more I do kind of dislike Calvin as a core character. Like mm-hmm. you like the things that he does, but I'm just like, man. I mean, like if if you read this. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have this is just the way I'm assuming this is the case. If you're reading these books and you're like, I relate so more, so much more with Kaladin than I do with Dalinar. Oh, it's because you're a crap person, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fine. But um, at any rate, that was just a little uh, battle there. Um, nothing crazy happens by any means. You just get some hints into into what's going to happen very soon with Kaladin, mm-hmm. and then we kind of jump back to Dalinar. And he being very scared that he's about to be betrayed by another high prince and be blamed for the uh, attempted assassination of the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, I, 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 I want to go do do one thing uh, into the, the relating with Dalinar and, and Kaladin. And thinking about this, as Kaladin um, uh, starts to, to take on the virtues of the Knights Radiant, he starts to be somewhat virtuous himself, like yes. like if like if if it wasn't for his having initially accepted, um, uh, for his for for his initially having accepted life before death, which is the first virtue of of the knights, he absolutely would not have gone back and did a certain thing that he did that we're going to talk about later, um. Uh, he absolutely would not have done that thing, 
And then while he's there, he discovers the second virtue, which is protect those who cannot protect themselves. Um, uh, and that... And so he seems to be becoming slowly virtuous as he learns and accepts the virtues. And that's all actually kind of Dalinar's story. Because he wasn't, you know, as good in the events that happened before the primary events of the book. He wasn't really a good person. So, but he wanted... But he do he wanted to stop being a bad person. The the difference between Dalinar and Kaladin is uh, is Dalinar chose to um uh, chose to abide by certain virtues while Kaladin had them forced upon him. But it's almost besides mm-hmm. that, it's almost the same story. It's like he he screwed up. He was a terrible person, and then he started following certain virtues and became this fantastic person. We just are seeing Dalinar after he's become the fantastic person, but that but that goes to show that there is there's hope for Kaladin becoming a good person. Okay, so yes, and this is the other mm-hmm. tie-in to the thing I want to talk about. So while mm-hmm. we're at this, while we're at, I completely agree with you. I'm not mm-hmm. diverting. We're actually going to jump right back into that, but I want to set the set the moment for what the what sparked the two things I was thinking about for Sanderson's backbone of writing the mm-hmm. story. Um, so we have. Um, Dalinar uh, at, at a particular evening meal um, where all the, the main and really important people all eat together which is the, the main the custom for for their for their royalty for whatever for, for their hierarchy doesn't really matter um, they're eating there and then Wit slash Hoyd um, makes a, a very different appearance than he has so far in the books he's normally just sitting around like making fun of people and being clever and he drops in next to um Dalinar while he's eating and he says a bunch of cryptic stuff to him mm-hmm. um, and he really is a great character he's fantastic um, uh, he's definitely something far different than what he's appearing to be I don't think that's any kind of that's not some big revelation he's clearly something else uh, something more important and in this conversation we don't have to hit on all the little points but I start to think about like what whenever someone writes a story, even if it's like a fantasy novel like like this is, there has to be like a reason why you wrote it. There has mm-hmm. to be like an actual story, or not or not an actual story, but an actual um, we'll say a concept. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's especially as we get further on, and I won't. You know, we're going to have to spoil part of part five to have this conversation, but I, I don't think it's enough for anyone to, to really have a, um, an issue. Um, it seems like Sanderson is trying to write a borderline anti-religion story. And I'll explain myself a little bit better there. Um, his entire thing seems to be that here's a world that we are living in. Here are the bad things that are happening. All of the bad people who are doing bad things have just been us all along, and we are here because we need to fix it because God is dead. We are here doing that sort of thing. We cannot rely on the deities because they're dead. Evil as a concept is the only thing that is real, and we are here to battle it. Dalinar, we see as the person who went to the look to the books, um, who followed the this religion, followed this code. Um, but technically speaking, this code is sort of outside of his religion. They actually talk about like the house um, that he belongs to as far as religion goes, and this is not technically speaking directly in line with it his virtues uh, are still part of a religion in their world but he's following them and becoming a better person but beside him running in parallel is someone who is not even a, a fraction religious but is gaining all of these virtues through his life experiences and realizing the thing he's supposed to be not through religion but through his own path in, 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 for Kaladin mm-hmm. but not, for, not for Kaladin but for um no, Kaladin. I said the right thing. Yep. So you have a world in which people need to become better to defeat evil because God is dead. And yes, these religious people 
are moral and great, but most of them are crap. Only a few of them are good, and the really, really good ones, technically speaking, just came because they discovered what virtuous things are and good things are on their own through life experiences. Mm. So, that is a possibility. Uh, An alternative is um, uh, because what I came across was a very, very similar but not quite the same. Um, uh, what what I uh, saw this as was uh, still like a, a like like an unreligious uh, take on religion. Uh, it was like almost borderline religious, but still extremely humanistic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, in that, you know, it's you know it's the same thing. It's up to us to do blah 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 blah. Um, uh. uh it's like, like you know, like we we'll discover, you know, it's it's like it's like a discover God within yourself kind of humanistic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Very but much. yeah, but not so much God is dead, but more like when you discover God in yourself. Um, uh, like when when God is needed, you'll be able to discover Him within yourself, and then and then He was, and now that He's needed again, discover Him within you, and here He is. Okay, so I would agree with you, but I have uh, to spoil part five to do this. He literally kills God. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would I would be very inclined to agree with you because that's how the story seems, right? If you're going through part mm-hmm. four, if you go all the way through part four, yes, that is the conclusion you would try to reach as the story behind the story. But okay. then Sanderson's like, I don't want them to think that. Maybe I should kill God. <laughs> uh, doing parts in book two, I still think that. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I, uh-huh. I think it could be either way it's not like your theory is a bad one I'm not saying you're wrong but I would say mm-hmm. I think he's relying on I don't want to say I, I hate it when people pretend to sound persecuted and say like these people hate God and they hate Kripa but I mean like it seems to me like he takes those steps just to set himself as far away from this being a religious thing as possible by being like uh, the evil thing is not mm-hmm. the devil. It's just the evil, and God is dead. And what are you gonna do about it? Okay, yeah, but the the and, and another thing. Okay, fine. Spoiling part five. The person who dies at the end isn't God. The person who dies at the end is one of the heralds. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But he <clears throat> but but he makes it like yeah. He says the words. Mm-hmm. Um. He he literally writes it out like that mm-hmm. to give you that feeling. Right. So, I mean, like, it, it, yes, it's it's technically all, I mean, it, it's it's technically all some, ah, that book is loud. Um, sorry, my kid's playing with books that make noises. Um, it, I don't think he would want to get a different point across if he was writing it so explicitly. Because, I mean, you think about in book five, or the book five, part five, he literally has a character say, spoiling again, here I am, the creator of mankind, evil has killed me. You should go save it. You the people. I'm paraphrasing, but that's literally what he does. So I mean, like, that has to be, his, I'm just thinking it has to be his point. Whether or not they, he changes the circumstances of who this person giving down the visions actually is whether or not he mm-hmm. actually adjusts some things so we go well maybe more like this but he like comes right out and says it i mean it's just it's just too plain <clears throat> too plainly written for him to be getting a different point across yeah but yeah you, you have to remember something else too and this is a very important thing um uh there was one uh so the the so the heralds did what they did to try to break the cycle and there was one herald that they left in the in in the the damnation thing. Correct. Uh, yes. And the herald that came back at the end and died is the one <laughs> they left. Well, it would have to be. Yeah. But what what that would mean is though that 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 thing because that they mentioned this that the her- that even at the end they mentioned that the heralds can die and they usually do. So apparently, what happened was he came back by himself and at the wrong time and that he died so therefore and so because so, because the, the the heralds have no the heralds were effectively <laughs> men they just were the highest of the high men and so uh, 
and, and so that, that that was kind of the the whole point. I mean, in the context of the story, they were men. I guess in the um, uh, 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 I, I I guess in the uh, that uh, if you're doing like allegorical type thing, the heralds were more akin to like angels. But and I think I think to kill an angel, uh, uh, that's what how the heralds seem to me is like air like heralds like angels. And I think, in in my opinion, like that there's there's very specific implications to killing an angel that aren't this or that aren't nearly the same as killing God, especially coming from from Brandon Sanderson, who's a Mormon. Like angels have a very particular role in, in Mormonism, and if he's par- paralyzing, making parallels, parallelizing, I don't know, to to his own experiences and his own you know, knowledge of of religious activities and stuff to I, I I think there are very specific implications to kill a herald versus um uh, the other potentially uh, um but I mean and that's just again I don't know <laughs> I was, you know I'm speculating <laughs> really, and, and, and so am I obviously uh-huh. but uh, there's I'm trying to find the quote in here uh, um, real fast though, give your quote. We need to stop because this whole thing that we've gonna this this whole thing is basically us discussing part five, and we're not doing that today. <laughs> no, for sure. But here's the quote. Yeah, uh-huh. The quote is: "I am, I was God, the one you call Almighty, the Creator of mankind, and now I am dead. Odium has killed me." Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the the that that that's kind of the the point though. I think because I I think that that is the thing. God is gone. When we find him in ourselves, he'll be he'll come back again when he's needed. That that's that's what I said. We, we yeah. could get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I'm what I'm saying is mm-hmm. that's what I said a second ago too. We mm-hmm. could get there. We could mm-hmm. change something in the narrative that he's given us so far by getting more information. But he is laying it out so thick and so plain as a from a story point. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're going to come back and go, oh, yeah, God, the creator of all men is actually dead. But, I mean, like, we could find out more information that changes our opinion and perception of this moment. But in this moment right now, you finish book one. Book one is you are your own saving grace. You are your own help here. You need to mm-hmm. figure it out to get past evil because God's not helping you. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no matter what, it's grossly humanistic. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No, no matter what conclusion you reach, you, you you have to take that particular journey to get there. Yeah, yeah aggressively. So yeah. yeah, we could change. We could find something else, and I, I'm sure it'll be interesting either way because he's a phenomenal author. But mm-hmm. for me, that's the point of this particular book is to get that point across. Mm-hmm. And we should. You're right. We should definitely move on. This is being. This yeah. is. I mean, this is what book club things are for. But we are really harping. Yeah, and it's fine to harp on stuff that happens in cha- in book four. I think, but since since we moved on to we moved on to part five, and we shouldn't have is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so after after that, after the um, okay, so essentially just the wrap up of that that moment we were talking about with Hoyd. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of okay, so since we're speaking of Hoyd, it's gonna we're gonna jump ahead a little bit, but it's okay because we're assuming that everyone in here has read part four in its entirety so we can jump around as much as we want don't have to talk right. about it in order since we're talking about hoyd i love hoyd's conversation with kaladin because yes. the, the the whole thing is just perfect because just this this whole thing is back and forth is this this dance between hoyd and kaladin is like like oh i'm gonna say this that this thing that makes it seem like i know who you are and um uh kaladin's like what said yes you know like this you're a bridgerman Oh, I would say this other thing, and it seem like I know who you are. What? You know, because of this. And Kaladin's like, ah, oh, okay. And then at the very end, he's like, all right, see you later, Kaladin. <laughs> he's, he's, he's such a great character. Um, and, like, he clearly knows so much more than what he's making obvious. He's clearly mm-hmm. something much more important. I mean, did, was it you who said to me, or did I come up with this on my own, that, like, it seems like he might be some kind of weird sprint in some weird way or something weird like that? Uh, you you might have said that. If I was, if I was to take a guess right now so this book is this this author is not a particularly predictable author i have read predictable authors and stuff so there's no basis and foundation to my guess but if i had to take a guess right now hoid is either um uh is, is is either an incarnation of one of the heralds or the almighty 
the Almighty's always been my guess. <clears throat> if he's not some mm-hmm. kind of spren, yeah. I feel like my <clears throat> saying he's the Almighty is too big of a guess. Uh huh. Um, <clears throat> But I really, I do feel like that's a really, really solid one. If I were to mm-hmm. do a guess that's more grounded, and maybe what what I would say a predictable author might do in some cases uh, is make him like a, like a spren or something something important, but not crazily important. But if I were to say, what's your real guess? Yes, the Almighty is my actual guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that said, though, I th- I think it's important uh, to say that. The Almighty did say that he's pretty sure he can get me out of this. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I the Great movie. <laughs> Great movie. Fantastic movie. <laughs> but uh, for everyone else, you're screwed. Anyways, let's yeah. see. <clears throat> Baby, I can't play with that right now. It's loud and noisy. Um... Okay, so at the end of that feast, that little moment there um, mm-hmm. with Hoyd and um, Dalinar Colon. Um, mm-hmm. Dalinar Colon. Yeah, we do see some of his fears are unrealized as he thinks his longtime friend, <clears throat> the other High Prince, um, is not trying to frame him for yeah. uh, the attempted assassination of the king. He is, in fact, well, in that moment, he is not trying to frame him or do anything bad to him. That happens soon. Yeah, um, uh, also, here's the thing. Here's the thing, too. There's two things that that, that 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 could be told about this, um, uh, about, about like we said about this. The thing about like, all right, if you really want me to say in front of all these people, Dalinar, okay, fine, you, but okay, but remember, you asked for this, so I discovered this and this and this, and I discovered this, and I discovered that, so Dalinar is innocent. And just, <laughs> just like the build, and, and then on there, I, I don't know if that's manufactured suspense, or if it's supposed to give, just give the reader uh, an insight into the suspense that Dalinar would be feeling, and maybe it wasn't actually like that. <laughs> yeah, I think either one of those two things makes perfect sense, um, mm-hmm. because that is kind of what's happening. It's all um, just a big build up to literally nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the people, even the characters, the, the side characters who don't matter, the people sitting around that don't even have names in the book, mm-hmm. are just like, oh, and I get up and walk away <laughs> yeah. just to show how boring of a revelation that actually was. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the only reason why it's worth putting in there to that degree is, one, it does. we do have to wrap up um, uh, Dalinar's suspicions. We do have to, like, wrap those up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also wrap because up. I think it sets us up for the betrayal. Uh, that we're soon to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a, a big reason why I think they played it up for so long through different sections of the book. Because, I mean, the attempted assassination of the king happens pretty early. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of time to think about that in between. Because we know um, mm-hmm. Dalinar is innocent <clears throat> as the reader. We know he is, but obviously no one else necessarily does. Yeah. So I thought that the, um, uh, the two big bad things happened in this part. Um... Uh, and reading this part, only one big bad thing happens. And then I read the... I skimmed over part five. Because I kept referring to them as the two big bad things and expecting you to know what they were. Skimming over part five, it doesn't happen in part five either. Which means it must happen at the beginning of book two. Which means you have no idea what the second big bad thing is. And now I've been talking, just randomly mentioning this thing, being foreboding, and you had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> Yeah, what are you referring to? Uh, I can't tell you. It's in book two. <laughs> oh, it's in book two. I thought you yeah. said in part two. Yeah, yeah no, no. Because <laughs> I kept saying, oh, you know, the big bad thing, you know, the two big bad things. The one big bad thing, of course, is uh, Sadius' betrayal of Dalinar. That's, that, that's the first big bad thing. The second big bad thing I can't talk about because I thought you already knew what it was. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm so glad I, I never came right out and said it at any point. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been um, unhappily avoiding book two until we finish this. It's, I'm going to be honest with you. It's another reason why this morning I was like, maybe hey, we can talk about book, we can talk about part five while we're here because then I can start listening to book two. But no, Sean doesn't want to do that this morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, but also, there's something, there's something that we need to do with book two. I don't remember how far I've gotten. I may not have finished part one, and that's what I'm hoping for. But we need to do, with with this, we both need to go into each part blind whenever we go to do the book club. So, like, hey, this time we're going to, you know, by, you know the, the next time we do this, we're going to do 
part one of book two. So we read part one of book two and don't touch part two, and so on and so on. That is how we need to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's my that's mm-hmm. my plan. It's the reason why I haven't started it yet, um, at all, is mm-hmm. because I wanted to go into it blind as we um as we are going to be doing it. In fact, I might even try to make it make it a point to not finish it until close to when we're going to be recording these, um, mm-hmm. just because I want to kind of be fresh with them. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, so I don't like cramming like I did. Uh, so I'm not gonna do it quite like that. I'm probably gonna be like slowly, like you know, read a little bit every day uh, up until the point of getting it done but sure sure <clears throat> um, let's see what else is important to hit on before betrayal so I'm, I'm just looking through I don't have any notes or any synopsises I'm just I found the list of the chapters <clears throat> oh um, oh uh, one, one uh, mildly twingy important thing that happened before the betrayal twingy <clears throat> yes um uh, that was when um uh, uh Kaladin discovered his ability for binding Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that does happen right before because he's aware of some of the stuff to an extent of what he can do coming into the battle that is the betrayal, which is the reason why he's able to um, do. Uh, well, well, I won't say what it is because we'll, we'll say what he does during the the um, the actual talk of the battle. But yes, he does discover his ability to do a few different things um, because he is aware of being able to do it when he goes in to be the hero of Part Four. More or less. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't really need to talk about it unless you want to. He discovers that he can do some of the lashings and stuff like that, but obviously we don't call them the lashings because we're talking about Cal, who has no clue what he's talking about, as opposed to uh, our boy Zeth. Gosh darn it, I forgot his name. Zeth. It's Zeth. Zeth. Thank you. I didn't hear you saying. Uh, who, <laughs> that was my third time saying it. <laughs> I can't hear you. Um. But yeah, like when he... When uh, you might want to call it. information. What? What? I said hang up and call information. Hang up and call information. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to pick up this child's book. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Man, he just kind of discovers he can do it. Um, if you want to talk about it, we can, but I don't think it, mm-hmm. that section's important to talk about. Nothing in, nothing in particular about it is holy crap. We just... It suffices to say that he figures out he can do stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. Suffice to say, uh, the word is one of the few we Knights of Knee cannot hear. Aha! Um, Said it again. Yeah, but... You know, 90% of the time, I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Same, though. Uh, Is that all that happens in between what we were just talking about in the betrayal? I don't remember anything Um, of importance. Effectively, um, uh, they get mad... At Kaladin for being cool, and so they say, "Oh, and by the way, you guys are going to go on every single bridge run." Yeah, um, um, essentially, the Kaladin does things that are really helpful and useful, and of course, uh, once again, he does things just to try to be helpful to his bridge crew. And as is the case every single time he does that, people in command over him are basically like, "Let's make life force for you, you piece of crap." Yeah, which, like in 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 this case, it was more of a they just like he just kept not dying was what made them mad this time. And this then, is true. Yeah, and then so what he wound up doing, uh, and he did this to protect his bridge crew, and this time it wound up protecting all of the bridge crews, and so then they're like, hey, well, how am I gonna kill him this time?" And um, uh, and then Sadius came up and said, "Hey, you there, L- Lieutenant? Good call making that bridgeman do that." And he's like, "Yep, that was me." <laughs> and then so he's I like so, so you're welcome so he's like keep doing that and then later uh Calder's <laughs> like hey I, we should keep doing that and the thing said like heck you are and he said well it'll pro- it'll kill me faster he said by all means keep doing it <laughs> I was like I love that <laughs> like fine if you'll die then we'll do it <clears throat> but you have to promise <laughs> you better be dead um it is worth mentioning that the reason why we are able to get to the point of the betrayal and how Kaladin gets to link up with Dalinar is because Dalinar and Sadius um, decide to start doing bridge runs together because mm-hmm. Dalinar essentially gives him enough that he can't refuse by basically saying, like, we'll go out there, we're going to do more stuff this way and be better, and because of that we're going to draw out more shard bears, mm-hmm. and the very first shard blade we get, you can have it, buddy boy. Yeah. And he's like, well, what about the expensive stuff? Because you can have more of that, too. And he's like, well, crap. Why in the world would I not do this? It's nothing but profit. So that's why they're they're doing these, uh, mm-hmm. well, the bridge runs. Uh, the um, plane 
skirmishes, they're they're going to be doing all those together from now on. Yep. <clears throat> Which sets us up for the betrayal. The betrayal. The betrayal. The betrayal. The betrayal. So, the um, I don't know how much detail you wanted to get in into the actual betrayal itself, but essentially, it seems like um, so Sadius is just waiting for a way and a clean. Well, clean. Um, a, a, a way that he can put <coughs> Dalinar in a position where he would not be able, he would most likely not be able to come out of it alive. And the easiest way to do this was to go in one of these bridge runs, on one of these plane skirmishes, and effectively get Dalinar onto a larger plane where there will be tons of Parshindi, um, just tons and tons and tons of them, and then take away his means of retreat. Because mm -hmm. obviously these planes, the reason why they have all these bridge crews is because they need to have people drop bridges in between these two planes that you couldn't actually jump across or just get across. So he effectively, once Dalinar has gotten onto a very large plane with an absolutely obscene amount of Parshendi, mm -hmm. um, he retreats all of his bridges and kind of walks away and is like, how am I going to, like, I'm just going to figure out a way to make it seem like this was an accident because, you know, there's no cameras, they don't exist. Mm -hmm. So I can just lie and all the people who would be able to say that he's lying are dead or belong to him. So we essentially run into that particular situation. Um, that's that's what happens. They get down, they get him onto this giant plane, take away all of his bridge support, all of his means of retreat, and effectively leave him to die. Mm -hmm. And it's in this moment that we're like, we get to see that Dalinar, well, not that we haven't been this whole time, but we get to see that he is an absolute monster. Yes. It's like, <laughs> what? I'm surrounded by Parshendi all by myself? Doom music intensifies. <laughs> Doom Mick Gordon intensifies. <laughs> Essentially, he mm -hmm. just turns into a, just a absolute machine and is just killing a shocking amount of people. <laughs> I thought um, you were going to say something else. It, something else? Yeah, he's, like, he's killing a shocking amount of people. <laughs> a shocking amount of people. <laughs> you got it all wrong. I'm not locked in here with you. <laughs> Uh. <clears throat> well, so there, he's uh, pretty much resigned to death, um, Dalinar, his son, and, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm dying, and a, a chunk of his men <laughs> gives him a bit of a rousing, let's go kill some orcs, um, mm -hmm. and they start doing all of that, and Kaladin and his bridge crew, who are effectively technically done, right? I mean, with all the orders that they've been given, technically what they should be doing is turning around and going back and being like, wow, sucks for that guy, mm -hmm. and and leaving. Mm -hmm. And it's here that we get, um, Calden gets to make the ultimate virtuous <clears throat> choice. Mm -hmm. Like, if I make this decision to go, to run over there, um, to go save these people, who I don't like, by the way, it's worth mm -hmm. mentioning, he hates all light eyes, mm -hmm. um, um, obviously, Dalinar is a light eye, so he's, save, he's saving people that he hates. He's saving a idea that he hates, the, the people in authority that have betrayed him his entire life, his, his family his entire life, his friends his entire life. Um, everything that he should not be protecting, he makes the decision to go and protect the thing that he hates the most at the expense of almost certainly dying, which is the last, like, <clears throat> realizing the virtue. So it's very symbolic. The decision is mm -hmm. very symbolic for, for Kaladin's character. Yeah, which by the way, too, I I have to say this though, of all the light eyes that Kaladin meets, he's like, all light eyes are the same. I hate them all. They're all evil people. They're all terrible and terrible and like this and like that and I like guess, of all of them, do you know how many light eyes betrayed Kaladin? Technically, the one. One. Do you know how yeah, many light? Do you know how many light eyes mistreated Kaladin of all the ones he ever met? Well, this is one. Like four. <laughs> there's, like, there's like four of them. He's just like, you just see him get bitter uh -huh. and bitterer because like, look uh -huh. at them making all these decisions that I can't stand. Uh -huh. like, the people who are really giant jerks to you are not not that much different than you, but that's fine. Yeah, but they, um, uh, which, which to, to me, that, that's just comical. But yeah, and, that, and this is the exact moment I was talking about when like, it's when he truly embraces the life before death uh, what is it? Ah, uh, crap. Um, life death before dishonor. <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> it's ah, uh, crap. It's life before death. Uh, something before something. Uh, uh, journey before destination. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. 
Yeah. And that's, uh, that's it, when he truly he embraces it. Yeah. yeah, he unknowingly mm. truly embraces it, well, which he, makes him like the ultimate human yeah. uh, in the law. Yeah. And well, he, he, he kind of does because it it's his argument with, um, uh, with himself slash Sill as himself in his mind kind of thing that gets that on there. And then right there, and, the, and then the rest of the time it's when he discovers and discovers by, by himself discover or by himself or with Sill's help or and also if it's with help, Sill's help it's with the honor sprint then it's related to the radiance so therefore would it be somehow connected to the heralds and the almighty so it, again is it God within himself within himself or God outside himself acting within himself as himself <laughs> who knows but um uh, <laughs> all, the, all of the above yeah he discovers the uh, uh, he discovers the next words uh protect those who cannot protect themselves and mm. and that is and then he takes that embraces that virtue by the nature of discovering it because uh, that's how that works um, uh, and then yeah uh, shoves his way in and um, uh, steals kills and destroys uh, the partiality and uh, everyone's happy and they have cupcakes yeah there is a really beautiful moment mm -hmm. uh, for me I really like it um, because mm -hmm. it's just like this other guy. So we do actually see the appearance of a shard bearer from the Parshendis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we do effectively have a duel um, mm -hmm. with Dalinar and this other shard bearer. And I love this moment um, in the book. It's like a, it's a hair-raising moment uh, in the book for me. So you actually see the shard bearer come out and effectively challenge Dalinar. He doesn't sneak up on him. He doesn't come up unannounced. He doesn't whatever attack him and they don't gank squad him either like as mm -hmm. soon as this guy comes up like I challenge you they all back off like yeah we're gonna let our boy fight your boy this is how things are supposed to be we're all technically honored here and so like you have this fight that's technically just a duel and we get to kind of see like I'm gonna call it the last shred of Kaladin's kind of dishonorable whatever mm -hmm. we do have Kaladin kind of sneaking in and technically <clears throat> saving the day by um, you know, critical attacking um, the shard bear. I say critical attack. He doesn't die, but you know what I mean. Backstabbing I, in the leg or whatever. Which I wouldn't um, call dishonorable. <laughs> in, in the circumstances. That they were in a giant, consider that they were in a giant battle, sure. But I mean, I do kind of because, like, you have these two guys agreeing to duel each other more or less without words. And then, like, everyone who's on the side that's technically winning and on the side of the guy who's challenging them while they're technically winning. Mm -hmm. um, you have this moment where it's kind of like, they're being so honorable. The Brashinia are being so honorable in this fight by like backing off while they're having this duel. You have to wonder if if Kaladin doesn't show up, Dalinar, who w w let's be honest, it would absolutely just murk this guy if he was you know at full capacity, which he's already cracked and already tired, and this guy's fresh. I mean, like no doubt he would have just destroyed a fool if he would have been at full strength, which he wasn't. If he defeats this shard bearer. Mm -hmm. You have to wonder, would the Parshendi have kind of just, like, left and, like, respected that duel? And then, like, because they kind of act like they're really respecting it. Mm -hmm. So, is do, I think that makes Calvin's actions more like a bit of a rat, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why I think of it that way. It was the only thing to do. It's probably what, you know, it, what needed to be done. But it's almost just like, eh, you're a bit of a dweeb for that. <sighs> like, it was the right thing to do, but also, like, ugh. Because even Calvin mm -hmm. mentions later on how he feels kind of dirty and dishonorable for doing it. Like, even he feels that way about it. Yeah, but it, it, it perfectly upholds the codes, though. Because, um, uh, you know, life before death, he did everything to make sure he saved Dalinar's life. And then Dalinar's like, I have to, no, no, we, we have to put a stop to this. I have to kill that shard bearer. Like, no, you don't. That one, he's going to live, too. So, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but I do love the moment that I really like is when Dalinar gets to the other plane. I mean, as much of his men as he could save, he's been saved. His mm -hmm. son's back over there. The bridge crew made it back across. And Dalinar looks back across the shard bear and he freaking salutes him. He was like, that was a good scrap, buddy boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's a cool moment. Because that's mm -hmm. the cover of the, the cover of the book is Dalinar saluting this mystery shard bear. So... I would have thought I lost the, you. You don't believe me. Oh, no, no, no. So I would have thought the same thing, except for this. Uh, let me find it here. Um, where'd it go? There's a. Uh, what are you talking about, Patrick? I don't know. Um. Uh, 
Oh crap, where is it? Um, uh, it's somewhere. But there is a map that is that uh, Navani drew. Of, and since you don't have the book, you don't see this. But there's a map that Navani drew uh, showing how each person went in to the fight and how Dalinar was overwhelmed and everything. And it has... Um, uh, uh, and it has Dalinar's emblem on it. And that is a completely different emblem than the one that is on... Uh, the, that is on the standard that the person on the book cover is holding. Oh, no, 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 you're right, but here's the thing. Brandon Sanderson didn't draw the illustration for the book. Mm. <laughs> he didn't He didn't draw the front cover. I yeah. mean, this was a commissioned piece of art. Yeah, but, sh but this, surely he said, oh, by the way, here's the, uh, here's the, here's what it looks like. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just making, I'm just saying, mm. this is the moment that Sanderson wanted to capture for the front of the book, and okay. an artist gave his rendition of that. And yes, it's not even remotely accurate for the exact battle positions and how the planes may or may not have been, blah, 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 blah. This is the moment that was asked to be captured for the cover of the book. Well, if that's true, then that artist is a poopy head. Well, probably, but they're very good. Mm -hmm. Quit that. Um, not to mention, technically speaking, this should be from the perspective of the mystery shard bear, by the way. Mm, okay. Because he's weird. Yeah, because if you think about it, I mean, it's from the perspective of the mystery shard bear, because that's not even Dalinar's colors. Yeah, well, that's not Dalinar's colors, but it is what Dalinar's blade looks like. So I mentioned it being wavy. Um, uh, <laughs> and why does the other person have a, why does the person across the way have a spear? When the, they had a shard blade. <laughs> oh, I don't know why they did what they did. I'm just saying this is the moment that was supposed to be captured for the front of the book. I'm just saying the artist is a poopy head. Well, I'm just saying there's some more we should talk about. I'm saying drop dead. Drop dead. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, and then, okay, my one of my favorite lines, like, I absolutely loved it. One of my favorite lines for any book ever was um, uh, when... Uh, Let's see. Well, I guess one of my favorite parts is is then when Dalinar comes back and he says, "Hey, I'd like to buy your your Bridgman, these particular Bridgman." And oh, Sadia yeah. said, "No, I you cannot buy the Bridgman." And um, uh, uh, and Dalinar real goes, quick, "Real quick, real quick, real quick, real uh, quick. The reason why this interaction is going as ridiculous as it's going is because um, uh, if you've read the book, uh, you should be keyed into this, but it has to be brought mm -hmm. up." Dalinar comes back mm -hmm. from being betrayed by Sadius, clearly betrayed by Sadius, barely makes it out by the skin of his teeth, loses a ton of his men, and then when he confronts Sadius, Sadius is like, ah, old chap, how are you? And Dalinar's like, I'm pretty good. Hey, can I have your stuff? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, no, I, I will not. He said, I will not sell you those Bridgman. And he, uh, so, so j j just so you know, though, uh, a Bridgman is worth two bromes. He offered him 50 bromes each. So that's, you know, 25 times their value for those. And Sadius, j just out of spite, is like, nope, nope, no, I, I don't really, I don't really want to do that. Strictly, strictly out of spite. Yeah. And then, and then Dalinar summons his shard blade. Sadius absolutely poops his pants. <laughs> yeah, because he thinks he's going to kill me, because he shouldn't uh, be doing that. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, then he, uh, he, he said, no, they're not for sale. There's nothing you can give me that was sale. So he said... He's a little whoosh. We take my sword for him. <laughs> yeah, and it's worth mentioning if, it, if we haven't really brought it up. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this. The one thing in the world Sadius wants right now. If you were to think the only physical item in the world I want, it's exactly that thing. Yeah, a shard blade. Yeah. Yeah, he wants a shard blade more than any <clears throat> other physical object in the world. And Dollar's like, <clears throat> I've got one, and you're clearly being a prick. So I, I am so honorable. I am so much a, mm -hmm. a good man of 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 honor that I will give mm -hmm. you the most valuable possession that I own in exchange for what everyone else is viewing as basically worthless because that's mm -hmm. how honorable this guy it's the ultimate the penultimate no it's no it's ultimate mm -hmm. the ultimate moment for Dalinar being like yeah I'm the greatest guy who's ever been alive ever and here's mm -hmm. why yeah um uh yeah and, and then but yeah one of my favorite bits of dialogue from any book ever is what immediately follows with Dalinar and Kaladin um, uh, a huge fan of that. 
because I'm uh, so it was Dalinar made it back with um uh, with uh, 2,600 guys is what Dalinar comes back with. Um, uh, and then like and and Cal said, "Did you really just did you really just do that?" <laughs> Yeah. And he said, "Yeah." My. He said, "Yeah, come back to come back to my camp. You will not be Bridgman. You will not be slaves. You are all freemen now. Good job." And so he goes, "Um, uh, okay, cool. That's great. Uh, I love it." And um, uh, he said, "But you know, why 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 did you give up the the shard blade for that?" And he said, "Um, uh, well, Kaladin, what is a uh, what's a what's what's a life worth?" He said, "Well, the slavers told me it's worth two bromes." He said, "Okay, but what's a life worth?" He said, "Well, uh, a life is priceless." And he said, "Yes." And uh, coincidentally, that is exactly the same value of that sword. He said, yeah. <laughs> "He said so." He said, "That sword is priceless. A life is priceless." He said, "You and your men sacrificed to give me twenty six hundred priceless lives, and all it cost me was one priceless sword." That's a bargain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really really epic moment, and it kind of leads that that leads into the next bit of dialogue in part five that Kaladin and Dalinar have, mm. and he's like, "Why did you do this and this to um? Uh, why did you risk all of this for um for just your men?" He said, "Why did you give up your char blade for just these men?" And like that's like the end of the conversation. Dalinar's like, "Fair enough," and he just kind of moves on. Like they both understand each other very well, and it's like a moment where they're like, "We're gonna be bros." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 pretty great. Is yeah. there anything else worth talking about in part four? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much the end of it. They start to go back to the camp. Oh, oh, the very, very, very end of part four, where um, uh, uh, <clears throat> where like you have the like Dalinar being you know g- going back to being Dalinar. He busts in on Elokar, and um, uh, uh, like he said there, and like he starts smashing Elokar's armor. And he's like, what are you doing? And like he is, is like, I'm beating the crap out of you. You're like, ah! <laughs> and he said, guards, come help me. He said, your guards work for me. <laughs> and then he's like, what? And he summons his sword, and Dalinar smacks it out of his hand. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, wait! And then he just beats the crap out of him. He said, I could kill you right now. And he said, but please don't, uncle. He goes, oh. Okay, right then. And I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah. He said, now do you believe that I don't want to kill you? He said, is it because you didn't? Yes. <laughs> said, see how easy it would have been? <laughs> he said, now you're going to put me in control of everything. Um, uh, said, he said, I'm telling you to put me in control of everything. He said, but what if I don't want to put you in control of everything? And he goes, you will. <laughs> like, yes, you will. Yeah, like, he absolutely manhandles this dude, because this guy <laughs> essentially keeps thinking and keeps thinking mm-hmm. that he's the one trying to kill him, so it's his... Mm-hmm. The nephew is like, my uncle's trying to kill me, and he's like, actually, if I wanted to, this is how simple it would have been to kill you. <laughs> which, which, which I, I I do like, because that's, that's what I'm... Uh... That, that's what Sadius said before when he cleared his name. He said, "Oh, he said, oh, I knew from the beginning it wasn't you trying to kill the king." He said because if you uh, said if you wanted to kill the king, you'd just kill him. <laughs> yeah, you would. Be, but what I think the quote is, you would have burned the eyes out of his head and been done with it. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it was like it would have been not complicated to murk this guy. Which, outside of the context of shard blades, sounds even more brutal than it is. Yeah, <laughs> which in the context of it's pretty standard killing people. Yeah. Oh, it's still kind of brutal, but, you know, less so. <laughs> okay. I'm checking chapters. I don't think... I even forgot about that, so I don't think there's anything else in there. Yeah, but yeah, go, go, going going back to a, a life being priceless and stuff, it made me think of something that... um, uh, uh, Something that I said to, to Brooke the other day. I said, I can't think about the value of a bullet compared to the value of a person is that because anyone who I would use like the, the a, a bullet that I have my bullets cost a little over a dollar a piece or approximately a dollar a piece I said and if I were to use a bullet on anyone the bullet I would use on them would have more value than the person I was using it on at that one dollar I said so I, I can't think of that the value is because like, that seems like a, a waste of my own money to have done that. Said, but said, but then, then I realized the only time I would use 
a bullet on someone, it doesn't matter the value of the person I'm using it on. What matters is the value I'm using it to protect. Said so because, like you know, my bullets are worth a, about a dollar a piece. So if somebody if somebody came up to me and tried to harm or remove from me my son, uh, I would then at that point spend forty dollars worth of bullets. <laughs> and I'd still come out ahead. <laughs> what a psychopathic way of thinking about that, Sean. <laughs> I'd still make a pro. I'd still turn a profit. <laughs> I would still turn a profit. <laughs> Not wrong. <clears throat> well, I mean that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that is it. Um. Uh... Yeah, I think we're done. So, uh. Alright, guys, I'll see you next time. Bye bye. bye. <laughs>